Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. According to the Globe and Mail, Jeff Melanson is a rock star arts administrator, charismatic and popular guy who successfully took on leadership positions at the National Ballet School, the Royal Conservatory of Music, and as a cultural advisor to Toronto Mayor Rob Ford before becoming a quote unquote turnaround man at the Banff Center for the Arts, quoted in the Globe and Mail article as a change agent and a disruptive innovator, full of energy and vision and charisma, when he took over at the Banff Center for the Arts with an audacious 10-year, billion-dollar plan. Okay, so that's how Melanson was described by the Globe and Mail in a glowing 2012 profile of him by Marshall Lederman. Here's how he has since been described. In the Toronto Star, in an article last week, reporting on allegations made about him by his estranged wife, the frozen food heiress, Eleanor McCain. According to the star, McCain says that Melanson 
is a remorseless manipulator who ruled these institutions with an iron hand, who fired employees unjustly, who boozed during business hours and at business functions, a fumbler who launched and then abandoned grandiose projects, had inappropriate sexual relationships at the National Ballet School and at the Banff Center for the Arts and at the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, a guy who put his sexual partners on the payroll of some of these institutions, who traveled through Europe with them, on the company dime, who fired one woman following their affair and was ultimately driven prematurely from the BAMP Center for the Arts because of multiple sexual harassment claims. Now, none of that has been proven in court, and Melanson denies it. He calls it inaccurate and undignified. And here is the context for it. Just months after marrying Eleanor McCain, Jeff Melanson broke up with her reportedly over email. Now she is trying to get the marriage annulled. She alleges that he told a friend that he would be set for life after their divorce settlement, but if she gets an annulment, it's like the marriage never happened and she would owe him nothing. Okay, so that's the tawdry, gossipy stuff. But that is not what we're going to talk about today. The backdrop for all of that, the setting, was the Canadian art and culture world. Some of our most prestigious cultural institutions, which get hundreds of millions of dollars in public funding. So we don't know if Eleanor McCain's allegations are true, but we do know that Melanson left the Banff Center for the Arts two years into a five-year contract on a 10-year plan. We do know that he left wreckage in his wake, that he fired top-level people, that his billion-dollar plan was abandoned, that the radio station he launched at Banff went off the air, that the Banff Center was left to clean up the mess he made with a woman who he hired then fired who brought a grievance to the Banff Center. And you should note here, that it was after he left the Banff Center holding the bag, it was after that that the Globe and Mail wrote that glowing profile about him, calling him a rock star visionary arts administrator. It was after his stint at Banff ended so abruptly that he was put in charge of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. So what I want to know is how a dude can fail so well and what is going on at these organizations. I mean, Melanson is still the president and CEO of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. Now, as you can imagine, it is very hard to get people from this world of Canada's arts and cultural institutions. It's very hard to get them to talk about the problems within their world. But David Silcox is retired, more or less. Silcox was a Globe and Mail art critic. He was the first arts officer for the Canada Council for the Arts. He was the president of Sotheby's Canada. He wrote books about the Group of Seven. He has been on the board of directors at, at Stratford, at the NFB, at TIFF, at Penn Canada, at Massey and Roy Thompson Halls, at Telefilm Canada and the Gardner Museum. And now David Silcox is coming on to Canada land. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Paul Deschaines, Felix de Longchamp, Christine Tarnowski, Liz White, Brad, Peter Hewitson, Jeff Cummings, and Ben Byers. Ben, why did you decide to be awesome? Because without Canada Land, I would still be waiting for Canadian broadcasting to be great again. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. 
but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is also brought to you by our founding sponsor, FreshBooks. It's tax time, so let's talk about FreshBooks. FreshBooks is like your own personal accounting department. If you're running a one-person show or even if you're running a small company, using FreshBooks is as if you have an accounting department. It helps you look more professional. You can put your own logo on these beautifully designed invoices. It is stupidly easy to use. You will save a lot of time on paperwork. You can focus on your actual business. You will get paid on average. They looked into this. On average, people who use them get paid five days quicker than people who don't. It is with you anywhere through their mobile app and their customer service has won awards. Check it out. I use this service, freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. Try it out for free for 30 days. If and when you do become a customer, tell them who sent you. Thank you, FreshBooks. Help me wrap my head around this mess. How would something like this even happen? I don't think it happens very often. You know, it's like uh, an accident on the highway. You don't expect it to happen to you. You don't see it very often, but it does happen. There's a little meltdown here or something runs off the track, and uh, it's unfortunate. When I look at all the cultural institutions across the country, you know, the art galleries and museums, the dance companies, the theaters, uh, the orchestras, the small chamber groups, all sorts of organizations are doing really well, and they're served by dedicated people who actually manage very well indeed. They do. And they manage often on very minimal budgets, uh, and they're doing it because they love it. So there's a motivational issue uh, involved with it from something like, you know, Karen Kane at the National Ballet or Peter Herndorf at the National Arts Center or Anthony Cimolino in Stratford. Uh, These people are all dedicated to what they're doing. So they... They're, they're determined to be successful, and they're moral about what they're doing. I mean, you'd hope so. You, you figure that you wouldn't go into arts administration to, to make a buck or to be some sort of right. tyrant. There are other things you could do where you wield more power. Yeah. And yet, to look at this as a pure kind of a freak accident seems to 
ignores the fact that it, it might not happen in other cases, but in this one individual's career, it seems like there were opportunities for these different. I mean, he went from organization to organization, is feted in the press. The Globe and Mail writes that he's a rock star administrator. He comes to Massey College with a fellowship, and he's put in charge of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. So there were opportunities for these organizations. You, like, I, I, it's hard to imagine somebody else failing at a job to that extent and, and then failing upwards that way. So what I'm trying to get my head around, because I'm not so interested in the soap opera of this guy's uh, whatever infidelities or his marriage to McCain. I'm kind of interested in how the, the world that you live in, the, the arts world of Canada, viewed him as these curious things were happening. Well, I, I uh, as I said, I, I've, I've never met him, and I didn't follow his career closely at all. He, he showed up in the in the press from time to time, and uh, that's all I, I, I really know about it. But I hear about this through the same route that uh, that you have, which is in the press or talking to people in the business, and uh, you know they've got views about it. So you, you're not unaware of it, but I wasn't. You know, I didn't put it under a microscope just to see whether there was any validity to it or what. but uh, the, uh, So we'll see how the allegations do in court. But I, but I, would, I would be really hard-pressed to find uh, another example uh, comparable in scale to what is alleged uh, with other institutions across the country. They're really re- quite responsible. The, uh, the, there are a couple you might take, uh, perhaps the Royal Ontario Museum, where I thought there was really a, a board failure uh, in, in instances in relation both to the architecture of the new wing and uh, in relation to their fundraising principles. What happened there with the crystal? What, uh, what, with this, you good know, question. It, I wish I knew the answer. You come on. I, you you oh, were I part know. of a community that well, talks about no, this No, but I, I, got, I sort of bailed out of the community some time ago to run Sotheby's, uh, for, which I did for 12 years. And then I, uh, then now I'm on my own again, and I'm working on projects that I'm interested in, and uh, you know, funding through my own uh, diligence and uh, and uh, uh, hard work. Yeah. So usually, when something fails like that, it's it's a failure of a kind of collective judgment on something. For example, I would say to take the ROM as an example, once they realized that if they did the building that was designed in glass. It was not going to survive through the winter without some kind of disaster somewhere along the way. You know, there's going to, what's going to happen to the snow, the ice, what's it going to fall on, you know, is anybody going to get hit, et cetera, et cetera. And then just simply to change from glass to that, uh, uh, you know, the, the cladding that they've got so awkwardly uh, arranged. It just uh, just defies uh, imagination. It really does. My aesthetic sense is not as developed as, as maybe yours is. It looks horrifically ugly to me. Is that is that the consensus? Well, it, it, among my, among people in the architectural world, it certainly is a consensus. I, it, and it could have looked really cool, but you figure like where were the grown-ups to say? I mean, so anyway, that's that, that's the only other example I can think of. Occasionally, you know, uh, organizations have gotten into. Uh, a difficult financial uh, situation. Uh, they and that and the reason for that may be uh, uh, the lack of success of some of the productions they put on. It may be uh, administrative weakness or failure to be aggressive enough in fundraising. 
but uh, it's it's a it's a rare thing that uh, that you know the Toronto Symphony or you know the Vancouver Symphony or, or the Halifax Symphony wherever uh, they were always close to the wire financially, and they their supporters try to do the best thing they can, and and usually they're successful and they do have community support. Looking at this question of, of administration and why the Toronto Symphony Orchestra would hire somebody who's walking away from fairly disastrous tenure at Banff, you know, couldn't the board have picked somebody else? You look over at the AGO and they just hired a guy from Honolulu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there some problem with the talent pool? The talent pool, if you're talking about art galleries, for example, uh, is, is small and the number of vacancies at the high level of art galleries and museums across the United States and Canada uh, is, is high. So there, there are a lot of uh, institutions looking for top-caliber directors, and there are some very talented people coming up uh, who are uh, experienced enough but also young enough to be interesting, and they're, they're, they've got the energy and the ambition to do something with an institution. So uh, I would say that that must have come into the AGO's board's consideration. I, they're pretty careful about who they've chosen. Do you think that they couldn't find somebody in Canada to do that job? I don't know how hard they tried, but I'm sure they looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one time when the Stratford board looked for a, a director, an artistic director, and chose somebody from England, and uh, they were overruled by the minister of the day, Lloyd Axworthy, uh, who said you didn't try to find someone in Canada diligently enough. You didn't look diligently enough. So they had to uh, sort of reconsider. And that's when John Hirsch became the director. And he was a terrific artistic director for Stratford. There are people in Canada. There's Natalie Bondil, who runs the Montreal Museum of Fine Arts. Karen Kane has just done fabulous work with the National Ballet Company. Uh, it's a, It's quite remarkable how good our cultural institutions are, how responsibly they manage themselves, and uh, what uh, strong support they've been getting from the private sector. It used to be a lot more government support, uh, you know, 20 years ago than there is now. I've been talking with people in preparation for our conversation today, and I've known a lot of people who've entered this uh, as young people entering the fine arts, entering performing arts, and there's a consistent critique that I've heard from them throughout the years and that is echoed in, in conversations I've had over the phone in the wake of this story. Mm-hmm. And what they describe is an establishment. Now, you entered the scene during this push from Pierre Trudeau, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, even before him. So, anyway, when this was, yeah. it was yeah. a new and fresh and invigorating idea that we were going to forge a Canadian identity by funding the arts and take a place globally. The feeling amongst a lot of people I've been speaking with is that that has sort of calcified into its own club, uh, its own elite, its own establishment. And now you see the, the movement from, be it, you know, Massey Hall to the T- TSO to Banff, there's, you know, fellowships and there's uh, sinecures and the press is happy to celebrate the people who are chosen. And a guy like Melanson can do no wrong mm-hmm. and is uh, sort of a very smooth character, uh, as, as he's described, moves from one place to the next, arguably failing up. And it feels oppressive to young people 
trying to either have their own art funded or trying to take, a, you know, start their own careers in arts administration. And then you see people getting hired from other countries as if there's nobody here. Are you aware of that critique? Does that does that resonate with you? It's not an argument that I'm making, but it's one that I'm no. very aware of. No, I think I think there's a, there's some truth to it for sure. There's a rule of life about how many people can succeed. There's a pyramid of of talent. There's a pyramid of activity, and there are only a certain number that sort of get rise naturally to the top through it all. So I think there's always a degree of frustration. Artists are almost by definition dissatisfied. They do the best they can, but it doesn't always work out like that. And that's particularly true in in the uh, collaborative arts, opera, theater, film, uh, music. Uh, One person can ruin (laughs) ruin it for uh, a a couple of hundred people just by being the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time. But that... So that's that's the risk there is very high. It can go the other way too. But if someone's excellent, absolutely. then they can inspire. Yeah. But if you've got a toxic presence, yeah. it, it, you that know. Can, yeah, it can it can cause a real problem without yeah. a question. But I'm surprised at how often there is success and how wonderful it is. There's there's more much more success artistically, I think, and and, and without from what I see. Uh, than there is in uh, either the restaurant business or in a lot of businesses that people start. You know, it's it's interesting because, in fact, there was a big transition at, at one point. It was uh, right after I was chairman of the uh, Canadian Film Development Corporation, which was to uh, change the uh, CFDC, as it then was, into Telefilm Canada. So that, in fact, <clears throat> we would be putting money into feature films and films for television. It generated an awful lot of activity, and it actually made a lot of our crews for making films in Canada, whether in British Columbia, in Vancouver, or Toronto, or Montreal, or Halifax. Uh, they got quite busy, and there were a lot. There was a lot of pro- there, and there is today a lot of production activity happens in Canada, and especially now with the dollar being down, they're they're back in spades. <laughs> they're coming up here to do things because the crews are really good and 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 then the activity uh, uh, is financially much more attractive than it would have been otherwise. There are these three elements at play in our conversation that are kind of central to the larger conversation about culture and art in Canada as a whole, which is on the one hand, you're kind of describing it as like, hey, this is an economic generator. This is, you know, this is good for the for, for business. True. And I guess the counter argument is like, look, it's a boondoggle. It's a make work project. So that exists in one category. Another category is just, is the stuff any good? You know, if, if the point is to reflect our, our, you know, is art, art, you know, in, in the, the highest principles of art where people in this country have excellent taste and they can consume anything from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they're under, mm-hmm. we're under no nationalistic orders to enrich our souls with homegrown art. We're going to, we're going to consume the best stuff that, that, that touches us. Right. Does our stuff hold up? And I, I think, the, you know, the, the third question from the quality is just, will people go to these things? And, and when it comes to, you know, the Canadian box office, it's like it, the goal has been to get it to 5%. I know. And it's at I like know. one or two. Yeah, yeah. And yet they've had some great, uh, some, there have been a, mum, a number of really good films that have come out of Canadian productions. Uh, and, they're, and, they, and they're more and more. They're getting a they're getting an audience, but it really is slow. I have to say. Yeah. There's been a lot in in. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to see the cut in television production, and I think we've a long tradition and a strong tradition in documentary film, 
And, uh, you know, I always really liked the National Film Board and its aims to tackle things like social problems and historical problems and uh, other aspects of Canadian life in a way that's uh, both imaginative and of uh, great uh, technical skill as well. Innovative. You know, you think what happened in the National Film Board, you know, from... Expo 67 on sure, is back quite unbelievable. To the beginnings of documentary. Absolutely. To, to Nanook of the North, which was also the first fake documentary, which is... Uh, well, that wasn't film board, actually, but nevertheless... No, but it's but uh, shot in Canada. It so there you go. Yeah, the birth yeah. of it. Yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> and, and all through, and then it's just, it's it's uh, very depressing to see the state of documentary now. Uh, and the NFB is fighting the good fight. But True. CBC disassembled their in-house unit. They're, they're commissioning I, less than ever. I mean, it's it's... I know uh, Starowitz was talking about that on the radio uh, not so long ago, yeah. Mark Starowitz, who's the head of it. And uh, he's absolutely right, but he's trying to put it together in the private sector. And uh, that a lot of things are going to come from that, that sector, that area. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll continue to uh, find some outlet for our own voice as a country. Other countries do. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with trading. And, and we have organizations like TIFF and the uh, uh, film festivals elsewhere across the country, some of which are documentary-oriented. Sure. And, uh, and uh, Hot Dogs strong. is wonderful. Hot and, Dogs is terrific. But you talk there. about TIFF, and there's a criticism there, too, that this has become a big bazaar for Hollywood product, and then there's a ghetto for the local stuff. But that's not really the raison d'etre of the thing anymore. It's it's a commercial fair. Well, it's it, 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 a lot of films are commercial. You know, they have to make some money, or at least they do make some money. But I think TIFF also gives us, a, 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 at the same time, a big window on the world. And I think that's a great thing to have. And I find we're much, we're looking out on the world with a much uh, sharper, uh, sharply focused lens than our neighbors to the south. David, help me out here. You, you, you've left many of these organizations. You're, I'm not going to call you retired. You've got lots of projects no, going. Yeah, yeah, but you can speak candidly here. I feel like there's an aspect of a shell game where if, if things are failing uh, in, in, a, in a financial sense, they say, well, what about the artistic sense? Come on, it's not all about money. If things are failing creatively, then we get the excuse, well, this is about Canadian identity. If the Canadian identity isn't there because the thing is like, uh, you know, Room, it's it's an Irish-Canadian co-production with with not a, not a Canadian on the screen at all. We say, well, it's an artistic success. A anywhere you move, it's, you know, if the film is Resident Evil, well, it's creating jobs. So it's good. For, and you, you can't pin this stuff down. And it, it's very hard because the public is funding a lot of this. So now we've got a new Trudeau. And he's going to put money back into the CBC. He's going to put it back into, what did he say, telefilm? He's going to put it back into, mm. is it the NFB? He's refunding. Yeah, and the Canada Council. And Canada Council, yeah. okay. Yeah. Is the position of, of the arts community, where you've spent your life, to just say, great, more funding, we're great. Or is there an opportunity? Let's have a, let's have a positive, not a cynical conversation. Yeah. The money's coming back in. How can it be spent better? And what is fair for the public to ask? How ca How can we you know, hold some level of accountability and, yeah. and, and how do we measure these things? And, well, and what is good arts administration? Uh, one of the things that concerns me, and maybe because we had such a lovely run the five years I was at the Canada Council, uh, 65 to 70, uh, it's become much more bureaucratic than I would ever want it to be. Uh -huh. uh, I, I believe in, uh, in nurturing talent, uh, but it's always hard to know whether... As we, as we used to say, whether you water the flower 
or cultivate the field? You know, what, what's the, what is the balance between uh, supporting the very best and, uh, and at the same, or trying it uh, obversely to, to try to make everything lift a little bit as opposed to focusing on just the very best. And I, it's, it's a difficult balance to, to establish, but I, but I really believe it's important to uh, support the best you can and, uh, and the best we have. You think a return to excellence, fund, funding excellence? I, I, I do. I believe there's, that human society generally creates elites. There are people who rise as engineers, as doctors, as lawyers, and there's some who go all the way to the top, you know. Melanson was at the top. He's a talker, I gather, and I've known a couple of two or three other talkers who, as you said earlier, you know, uh, move up as they fail. You know, they yeah. fail, they fail upwards. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a it's a very rare thing to see that happen. A, do you think it's a Canadian thing that we are easily seduced by a smooth talker, by somebody? You know, I'm gonna. Human beings are. They are. You know, they get they get taken in. Everybody's being taken in by Donald Trump right now. Yeah. So, uh, or a lot of people. <laughs> The board. And on this side of the border, too, the letter of the paper this morning uh, talking about, you know, I think Mr. Trump is right and he's not a racist, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Ha, 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 ha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's a, it, these things are hard to figure out. And there are getting to be more and more people in the world and it's getting more complex and it's more difficult. Excellence is not a bad policy. I mean, if that's – if, I if think it, so. it would have actually been good for me. I, uh, here, I'm going to out myself here. I got out of university and I was making short films. And then we got a Canada Council grant when we, when we graduated. And I think it was 16 grand between the two of us. And we thought, uh, you know, this was more money than we'd ever seen in our lives. And it was the worst thing that ever happened to us. Yeah. And nobody ever said to us, hey, how's the film coming along? Can we have a look? They didn't care about not only the quality, they didn't even care if we finished it. And we, we became untethered. There was no deadline and there was no festival anymore. We were just off spending this money and trying to – and it, uh, it was sort of the end of the whole thing. And I, it left me with a very strange you know, um, impression about funding. You know, Maybe I felt like I was unworthy of it or maybe I proved myself unworthy with how we spent it. But, but it did make me think that there's probably somebody out there who uh, could have done more with it than we did. I know, and I think different artists work in different ways. Uh, and I remember the argument about uh, whether Mordecai Richler should get a, uh, a a grant, a senior grant, which was then I think five thousand bucks or something like that, uh-huh. uh, because we knew from the newspapers that he just sold uh, the rights to Duddy Kravitz for twenty five thousand dollars, right? Yeah, he might deserve it the most, but need, need it the least. Need it the least. So, so, uh, so one could argue. Uh, but in fact, we said, listen, on his merits as a writer, he deserves what he applied for, and, and we gave it to him. Is he going to go and sit in the south of France and you know look at the Mediterranean and drink wine? That's his business. It may be the best thing that ever happened mm-hmm. for his next book. Uh, we don't know. But in fact, he continued to be productive. Uh, he continued to write great books. Yeah, uh, you have to believe in in somebody's talent, and sometimes the talent burns out. You yeah, know, I know a number of artists. You, you think, God, they're doing such wonderful work, and then suddenly, they uh, they sort of don't quite catch on uh, somewhere. They don't sell enough sculpture or painting or whatever it happens to be or novels, and uh, and then you don't hear from them again. It happens, you know, and it's a sad thing, but it's it happens in a lot of 
other professions in other parts of the world. As well. Do you think it's dangerous for artists to get too celebrated? I mean, Richler is a guy who was always, I think, defining himself in opposition. And he was, you know, you, I don't think you could give him any honor that he would get too comfortable with. <laughs> I know. Right. But I think there are other people who, you know, mm-hmm. fast forward 20, 30 years yeah, 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 right. and they're on the jury and they're giving the award to their friend and they, 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 they're teaching at a university. They don't have to write the great novel anymore. Well, I think that's, there, there, there may be some like that. Uh, and there's certainly, there's certainly been a transition from the time there was no support at all yeah. to uh, one where uh, perhaps it's uh, not as uh, demanding. Uh, but I think it depends on the relationship between a granting council or foundation and the artist involved and say, you know, we actually believe in you and we, we're anxious to see what you produce. Artworks in revolutions, young artists are supposed to try to flip over the table and challenge mm. those who came before them. And they do, yeah. Should the next generation of Canadian artists uh, try to get into this system or should they try to completely revolutionize it? I think, I think they are de facto uh, revolutionaries. You know, maybe not in the sense they're going to pick up a gun and cause uh, uh, chaos in the streets, but in the sense that they are asking us to look at the world in a different way. And, and I think give, give us fresh ideas, give us a new way of thinking about things and about each other and about other parts of the world and so on. That's what artists do. And uh, uh, when their creative work is strong, whether it's a novel or whether it's music or whether it's a, th- a piece of theater, it actually does give you a kind of a wake-up call makes you think about things that you need to think about. Okay, that is your Canada Land show. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me always at jesse at canadalandshow.com. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is canadalandshow.com and our crowdfunding page is patreon.com slash canadaland. The next episode of Canada Land Commons will be up on Tuesday, and the next episode of Shortcuts will be up on Thursday. I make this show with Katie Jensen. If you like what we do, please support us. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.